We are about to enter December of 2022, and that's just about the time when everybody starts thinking about the priorities for next year. And obviously, there's going to be a long list of priorities. And at the end of the year, we're probably going to forget what they were and uh, uh, maybe not achieve all of them. So I, I felt that I need to give you something as well. And uh, I'm going to share with you how do you develop a habit Hopefully, you're going to do that in 2023 that will increase your trustworthiness and as a result, the trust in you. And I believe that increasing the level of trust in you will have a huge impact. You probably heard me say this before, uh, but I do believe that the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can you be trusted? So in this episode, I'm going to tell you why being trusted is so important to you, not to the company, to you. What, how do you develop a priority? How do you identify a priority? And how do you develop one new habit that will change one old behavior that will make you more trusted in 2023? Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? I'll start with why trust is important to you. I typically, in this podcast, in my books, I talk about why trust is important to the company that you work for. Uh, if you're a human resources manager, why it is your role to help build trust in the company. And again, my starting point is, why is this so important for the company? I sometimes talk about why it's important for society, but this time I want to talk about why trustworthiness, why your trustworthiness is important to you. I'm, I'm going to start with my eight laws of trust, eight law, eighth law of trust. And that is that the level of trust that I have in you is the product of my trustability, my willingness to trust people in general and your trustworthiness. And there is almost nothing that you can do about my trustability, my willingness to trust people, and everything you can do about your trustworthiness. And if you increase your trustworthiness, even the least trusting boss or your peers or employees, they will trust you more. Because once your trustworthiness is higher, multiplied by their trustability, they still trust you more than if your trustworthiness was lower. When they trust you more and they show you that they trust you more, here are some things that you're going to feel. You know, I typically talk about that in the context of uh, the company and saying, hey, you know, your employees are going to be 74% less stressed or are going to experience 74% less stress. But this time I'm talking about you. If you feel more trusted, 
you are going to feel 74% less stress. If you are more trusted, you're going to feel 106% more energy. If you are more trusted, you're going to feel 60% more joy and 56% more job satisfaction. If you're more trusted, you're going to feel 41% higher sense of accomplishment. And if you're more trusted, you're going to feel 40% less burnout. Now, that's that's coming from a lot of research done by Paul Zak. Um, I don't remember. He, he surveyed more than a thousand people. This was, I believe, in 2004 to come up with these numbers. Um, but, but from my own research and my own surveys and studies, one thing I found was that um, if you're more trusted, you're going to get 67% more autonomy. Okay, there is a 67% correlation between somebody between your trustworthiness and somebody willing to give you uh, more autonomy or the level of trust they have in you because it's the product of your trustworthiness and their trustability which you don't control you do control your trustworthiness but if they trust you more there's a 67 percent correlation to they're going to give you more autonomy And, and you know what it feels like to get more autonomy now Think about disagreements, and and I've I've analyzed the, the results of that survey quite quite a bit. But what I found was that people, if they trust you, they're going to be two hundred and forty percent more willing to be vulnerable with you. Uh, if you're their boss, uh, they will not be afraid or be less afraid to give you bad news or, or tell you what you need to hear. You know, as opposed to sugarcoat everything. People in general, if they trust you more, they're going to be 106% more willing to give you the feedback that you need to hear. Instead of trying to uh, figure out uh, what what is it that they think you want to hear. You're going to grow. You're going to be better when people give you the feedback that you need to hear. And, and you know, I, I'll tell you something. I was on both sides of this, and I know that sometimes getting some serious feedback about something that you're not doing very well can hurt initially, and once you get past it, it's going to grow you. It's going to help you grow professionally or personally. And I know that I benefited the most from people who are willing to give me the feedback that I needed to hear. And again, if they trust me, they're going to be 106% more willing to give me that feedback. And that's why it's important for me to be more trustworthy. Now, uh, you want to give feedback to other people. And if they trust you, they're going to be 76% more receptive to feedback that you're giving them. And, and again, you know, that's, that's where you get into constructive disagreement. This is where you get into this fun of work where you can disagree passionately and stay friends and and make progress as opposed to you know everything is a uh, win lose or zero sum game and everything is a competition between you and other people constructive disagreement means that you're all on the same side and that's why it's so important for you to be trustworthy because again trust law number 8 if you're more trustworthy regardless of how much trustability the other person has, 
they still will trust you more and you're going to benefit from it and you're going to enjoy it more. So that's why it's important. And because of that, my focus in this episode is going to be what should you do in 2023 to be more trusted? Trust is the product of your trustworthiness and and another person's trustability. Your trustworthiness is the product of who you are and what you do. What you do are your behaviors. And that gives you two options. One is adopt a new behavior, a new positive behavior. Obviously, adopting a new bad behavior is not going to increase your trustworthiness. But you can adopt a new positive behavior to increase your trustworthiness. Or you can eliminate eliminate one bad behavior that holds you back from being more trusted or holding back your trustworthiness from the level it could reach. Which one should you focus on? Now, the, the intuitively, we typically think of, uh, oh, we should just develop one new behavior. If you follow my work, you know that one of the more important uh, pieces of, you know, it's, it's really based on science, but one of the more important pieces of this puzzle are that bad is much stronger than good. Now, I sometimes get into arguments over the uh, Losada ratio, also called the critical positivity ratio of 2.9013. And, you know, there's research that uh, that did not agree with this number or this range of numbers. But there's a lot of scientific data, which, by the way, a lot of it is quoted in the Book of Trust, that shows that we react much stronger and obviously negatively to bad things than we react obviously positively positively to good things. In fact, there are two Israelis, Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky, who in 2002 won the Nobel Prize for Economics for their uh, 1979 uh, prospect theory that they developed. This essentially says the same thing. But but in the book of trust, you're going to find a lot more scientific background to why we respond much stronger to something bad than to something good. So if you have the option, let's add one positive behavior or let's eliminate one negative behavior. On the if if you think about the the uh strength of that behavior as the x-axis of a chart and you think about your trustworthiness on the y-axis every effort you're going to put into eliminating a bad behavior would have significantly more impact on going up on the y-axis on the trustworthiness axis than the effort you're going to put in adding one positive thing. So the first thing that I want you to do, uh, and, and this is all part of your challenge for 2023, is I want you to identify one bad behavior. I want you to eliminate. This is, this is your, your task, your, your challenge for 2023. Eliminate one bad behavior that's holding you back from being more trusted. 
So obviously, we first need to find what it is, and I'll take you through the process. But that's that's the challenge. Now, I said one. Why not two? Why not three? Why not ten? Um, Jim Collins wrote in, uh, I think it was in from uh, from Good to Great, he wrote that if you have more than three priorities, you don't have any. Stephen Covey, um, I think it was in The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, uh, he wrote, if you have two to three priorities, you will complete two to three tasks. If you have four to ten, you will complete one to two. If you have more than ten, you will complete none. So, you know, maybe I'll, I'll give you two or three to work on, but let, let's be honest, you probably have other priorities you need to get to in 2023. So let's allocate just one. Only one behavior, one challenge in 2023 that's related to your trustworthiness. One bad behavior. Okay, that's all I want you to do in 2023. Identify one bad behavior and develop one new habit. And I'll talk about the new habit in the next segment. You may have noticed that that I talk about behaviors and I talk about habits and I almost, I, I don't talk about them interchangeably, but they're linked. So let's say that you you did identify one one habit, one bad one bad behavior. You've identified one bad behavior, you want to eliminate that. The fact that you know what it is is not enough. You, you know, you, you're gonna make a commitment. You're you're gonna say, I'm 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 committed to eliminate this bad behavior. It's still it's not enough. You you need to have a tool that would help you eliminate a bad behavior. And that tool is a new habit. Now, what is a habit? And that's, it's important that we understand. Our brain can consciously think about, analyze, and, and do things in total control only one thing at a time. You know, I, I know, I know. We think that we're multitasking. We're never really multitasking. I mean, we get into one task, we leave it. We get into another task, we leave that. Um I, I remember that when uh, I was working uh, with the group in developing the Wi-Fi technology. And I remember the first time that we actually shared a Wi-Fi link during a meeting. Or or I should say an internet link through Wi-Fi during a meeting. And that was uh, in 2001. And until then... I'm I'm unaware of people ever doing that, but you know we were at the forefront uh, of developing the Wi-Fi technology. Actually, at that time, it wasn't even called Wi-Fi. And I remember this was the first time I sat in a meeting with an open laptop and looked at things that that were live on the internet. And I remember all of a sudden going to listen to the person speaking and realizing that I missed something that they said. Anyway, I'm going too deep into this. We're not multitasking. We can only think about, really think, really analyze one thing at a time, which means that everything else has to be automatic. And that's what habits are. Habits are things that you do automatically without having to think about them. And so here's your challenge. You need to form a new habit 
that will change an old behavior, that will build your trustworthiness, that will build the trust in you, that will transform your organization. And, and you know what? Maybe you don't care about the organization. But, so let's stop at it will build trust in you. Here's the bad news. I can't do it for you. There is no amount of money that you can pay me. Not, not because I don't want to. I, I, I do. I, I want to do it for you. But I can't. It, it's just like weight loss. There is no amount of money that you can pay me to make you lose weight. You have to do the work. Only you have to do the work. I'm, I'm going to... And hopefully through the book of trust, through this podcast, I'm giving you the tools and, and I'm about to tell you about the seven step trust habits process in, in a high level, but you have to do the work. You have to develop the new habit. So let's talk about the process. Uh, the process, the, the seven step uh, trust habits process, it's... First of all, it's very prescriptive and very structured. So I'm, I'm not going to leave you with, uh, hey, you've identified a, a uh, bad behavior. You must fix it. Th th that's not enough. So I'm going to give you seven steps. I'm going to take you through those seven steps. And again, there are several times I talk about them during this podcast. Uh, they're listed very well in uh, the Book of Trust, even in the mini Book of Trust, the mini version of the Book of Trust. So it's prescriptive, prescriptive, it's very structured on what you have to do. And it is based on the science of habit forming. Uh, in, I believe it was 2018, the James Clear came up with Atomic Habits. And Atomic Habits, to me, is, is one of the best books ever written about uh, forming habits. Uh, and oddly enough, it's pretty consistent with my work in 2014 when I published the book Worst Diet Ever. And, and that book was actually about weight loss. But... It, it was at the time when I realized that knowing what I had to do was not enough and I needed to have some kind of a mechanism. And I started developing something that, um, you know, when, when I came up with that book, my wife asked, well, why do you write a book about diet? I mean, this, this is a, a distraction from, from your main uh, topic. And, and to some extent, she was right, but not completely, because that was really the foundation for me for what I today call the trust habits process. Uh, obviously, it has evolved since then, but um, the trust habits process is, is in the intersection of the science of trust and the science of habit forming. So I'm, I'm researching both of them and to develop this. Uh, Again, it is covered in the Book of Trust and in the Mini Book of Trust. Uh, so you can find the, the processes described in a lot greater detail than I'm going to give it to you now. But let's start with the different uh, steps. Step number one, identify one relationship. Now, I know you want to be trusted by everyone, but if, if you followed my, my eight laws of trust, then you know 
uh, at least at the third one, that trust is personal. Trust is relative. In fact, the same behavior that could cause one person to trust you could cause another person to distrust you. Now, odds are that whatever you're doing in one relationship that affects your trustworthiness in one relationship could affect it in other relationships, but not necessarily. Because again, uh, the same behavior that could cause one person to trust you could cause another person to distrust you. So you have to start by identifying one relationship. And the relationship that I would suggest that you, that you take, that you choose, is one where there is a critical dependency. And it's really a critical dependency of the other person in you. So identify one relationship. Again, odds are that, that what you're going to fix in that relationship would spill over to uh, other relationships, maybe not to all of them, but to others. But you have to identify one where somebody else relies on you, has a dependency on you, because this is where your trustworthiness is the most important. If you're going to improve your um, your behaviors or, or fix a behavior, improve your trustworthiness in a relationship where they don't rely on you, then you're not going to benefit. You're not going to feel the advantages of being more trustworthy. So step number one is identify one relationship. Step number two, identify one behavior that needs to change. Obviously, it's it's a bad behavior. I already told you why I want you to focus on one. Look, in, in, in that relationship, there are behaviors that uh, are good, good behaviors of yours. There are bad behaviors. Some are worse. Some are better. Uh, you need to see this from the other person's perspective. You may need help. You may need to ask the other person. You may need to ask a third person to help you identify what is it that you're doing in that relationship that's holding you back from being more trusted. And I know that worked for me uh, when somebody else, a third person, came to me and said, listen, you're doing this in that relationship and it's holding you back from being more trusted. And, and I changed that. The people who relied on me, who trusted me less because of that behavior of mine, uh, they didn't come to me to tell me. I was their boss. It was hard for them. And, and you know, again, they didn't give me that feedback because uh, they don't, didn't trust me yet. So identify that one behavior that needs to change. Now, this is a critical step because if you do it wrong, then you're going to focus on a behavior that the other person either doesn't care about or you're interpreting that as a bad behavior while they're not. So it's really important that you identify the right bad behavior that you need to change. The next step is to identify a new habit that will change the old behavior. So I'm, I'm going to give you an example. Uh, for me, the, the thing that I was telling you about in the previous segment was that uh, I, as it turned out, I communicated with my direct reports over email most of the time. And uh, now that I understand how people decide whether to trust you or not, I know that intimacy is a big part and that intimacy, the lowest level of intimacy is really emails and text messages and words only communications and high intimacy is face to face. And so 
Um, what I was doing bad that was holding me back from being more trusted, more trusted was that I was communicating over email, the lowest level of intimacy. So what would be a new habit? Well, the new habit would be that I needed to meet each one of my direct uh, reports in person. So that's the new habit. I needed to change the balance. I mean, it's not that I'm not going to be writing emails anymore, but I needed to change the balance of meeting them in person versus meeting them uh, versus communicating via email. So take the behavior, which in my case was communicating over email, low intimacy, identify a new habit, which is in my case, meet more face to face. And in some cases, all, all, all it could be is just how do we stop that bad behavior? By the way, this would be a good time to, to mention that I have something that's called the Workbook of Trust. And what the Workbook of Trust does is, is it actually gives you all kinds of uh, self-assessments and, and team assessment and so on, things that would help you identify, identify that one behavior and then turn it into a new habit. Step number four, make it smart. And by smart, I don't actually mean the word smart, but the acronym SMART, uh, which is something that uh, I don't remember who developed it, but it's associated with uh, setting goals. Uh, and it, it says that SMART goals are, again, it's an acronym. So S is specific, M, measurable, A, achievable, I would say actionable, and, and not less important, it can be too easy. You know, there's the Goldilocks rule. Uh, Goldilocks rule uh, that says uh, we're going to be successful or, or engaged or motivated enough if our goal is not too easy and not too hard, but just about right uh, to our level of effort. So uh, achievable and not too easy. R is relevant. And I would add to that an impactful. So, you know, may, make sure that whatever you come up with is is going to have an effect on your trustworthiness, on, on eliminating the bad behavior. And then that it's time bound, it, you know, it has milestones, you know when it's gonna be over and so on. So step number four is it's not enough, for example, for me to say, uh, I need to meet my people more face-to-face -face, uh, than over email, um, making it a smart habit or goal was to say, I need to meet each one of my four direct reports for 30 minutes each, one-on-one, -on -one, once a week. See, that's specific. That's measurable. I, I can measure and know if I did that. It is achievable. You know, if I said uh, 10 hours each one of them, that, that's 40 hours uh, in one week. Uh, it was relevant because it was taking me from... Uh, Email-only communication to face-to-face -to -face was time-bound. I defined the amount of time, the frequency. So take your habit and define it in a smart way. Specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. Step number five is make it stick. How do you make it uh, easy. So, you know, I already talked about the Goldilocks rule, but, but you still want to make it easy. And, and I provided in the book, I provided several different uh, tools that you can use each one of them. You can use a combination. Uh, 
One of them, for example, I call friction control. How do you eliminate friction? Sometimes we don't do things because there's too much friction in doing them. You know, if you are a user interface uh, or UX developer, uh, you know that uh, user experience, user interface, uh, you know that um, you want to make sure, you want to count how many mouse clicks or button clicks uh, are there before you get to a certain function because there is a, a level in which there's just too much friction and you're not going to do it. So in making it stick, one thing is uh, you want to make sure that uh, you eliminate friction. Another one I call uh, tech support, and that is, is there anything in technology that can help you? So for example, for me, what it was, was um, uh, putting it on my calendar. You know, when I put something on my calendar, it's going to happen. If it's not on my calendar, it's not going to happen. If I kept it in my head or even put it on the my whiteboard that I need to meet each one of my direct reports once uh, uh, for 30 minutes uh, every week. It's, it's going to stay there and it's not going to happen. But when I put it on my calendar, I use technology to help me. Another uh, element, for example, is uh, something that uh, James Clear calls it habit stacking. I call it habit conditioning, where I take a habit that's already established well-established, and I make it contingent upon doing the new habit. And there's a whole story I can tell you about that, but but I'm not going to do it right now. Uh, there is the use of extrinsic motivation. So be motivated by something that is not the results themselves being more trusted, but by something else. So in, in other words, there is a set of tools that I can use uh, to make it stick, to make it easy, to make sure that it does become a new habit. Step six is uh, having an accountability partner. So there was a research that was done by the um, Association for Training and Development uh, when they were still called ASTD that said that, uh, you know, if you know what your goal is, if you are committed to it, if you made a plan, if you set a timeline, uh, you go from zero to 50% probability of success. Now, 50% probability of success is not great, but once you add in an accountability partner, somebody who's going to hold you accountable and on a regular basis will check up on you, make sure that you're accountable, not just knowing that somebody is accountable and you're only going to meet them at the end, uh, but along the way, having an accountability partner, um, you know, one way to look at it is it's going to double your probability of success from almost double from 50% to 95% probability of success. I like to look at it. It's going to reduce the probability of failure 10 times from 50% probability of failure to only 5% probability of failure. But anyway, having an accountability partner is critical for increasing the probability that you're going to develop this new habit. The next question I'm always asked is, uh, how long? How long does it take to develop habits? And I read a lot of research, and I would say, unfortunately, most of the research uh, relates to uh, workouts, to exercise, uh, to uh, 
things that require less uh, of a um, you know soft skill uh human to human personal communication things like that so how long and the answer is that there is no answer and it's going to vary from one person to another there is also no hard line no point in time when you're going to say this is now a habit you know there there is at the beginning it's going to be a lot easier to stop it than to continue you're going to get to the point where it's going to be harder to stop still easier to to stop but but harder I mean, still easier to stop than to continue, but but less easier, I should say. And there's going to be a time when it's actually going to be harder to stop it than to continue. And there's going to be a point in time where you're going to feel really, really, really hard if you try to stop it. I mean, think about, um, you know, what one of the... the I would call it standard exercises I've seen people do is take your watch, which is probably on your wristwatch, which is probably on your left hand, move it over to your right hand. Let's see how long you're gonna you're gonna last. It's hard. You're you're at some point you're gonna say, you know what, screw that, bring it back to my left arm. That that's that's when you know it's really hard to stop. So there is no line it first of all there's no hard line that once you cross it then you know there's no pass and fail now it's a habit period and and the second before that it wasn't a habit no it's it's a continuum it's it's a a range And, and it changes from person to person and it changes with how hard it is to build this as a habit so how do you know you know when it really becomes a habit. Uh, one of the examples I like to use is uh, an engine. When you start your car engine, how long do you hold the key? Do you turn the key or, or hold the button pressed, uh, the starter button pressed? How long do you hold it? Until you feel that the engine is running by itself. That's when you stop. How long do you pour lighter fluid, starter fluid, uh, on, on a fire? Until it caught fire, and until you know the the charcoals are, are holding their own fire, and you don't need to do that anymore. So you're gonna know. You're gonna know because you're gonna feel, and and you're gonna have to ask yourself: Is it easier for me to stop than to continue? And if the answer is yes, then it's not a habit yet. Would it take three months? Maybe. Some things are easier; they take less. Um, some things are harder. Some things are harder for you than they are for me. So it's a personal thing. So here it is. This is your challenge for 2023. Form one new habit that will change one old behavior that's holding you back from being more trusted in one or more relationships. That's your challenge for 2023. Start with planning it. Plan it now. Plan it before January 1st. Start implementing it by January 1st. I can promise you that if you're going to be more trusted, this will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure and enjoyment. 
form one new habit that will change one old behavior that's holding you back from being more trusted in one or more relationships. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.